The Thriving Over Surviving podcast is for informational and inspirational purposes and not meant to be medical advice. Please consult your physician for any medical issues you may be facing. The opinions expressed by guests and advertisers are their own and not necessarily the opinions of Thriving Over Surviving podcast. It takes tools, meditation, mindfulness, gratitude practice, and just self-awareness to, to be able to say, hey, even though MS sucks, even though whatever chronic condition I have sucks, even though whatever situation I'm in, whether it be like relationship or financial or whatever sucks, I'm responsible for how I respond to it. I'm responsible for how I perceive it. And I could have perceived that moment whenever I was having like my stomach empty from both ends as total torture. But instead, I chose to perceive it as something absolutely beautiful. And that's kind of how I've gone on with MS. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of our autoimmune diagnoses, but ultimately how we thrive in spite of it. I'm your host, Edie Sahesian. I was diagnosed in 2015 with multiple sclerosis. I've learned a lot about MS in myself over the past few years, but the most important thing I realize is that I am going to live my best life. MS and other autoimmune diseases tend to be a bit of a bummer if we let them. So why not battle back by finding our joy? So we're starting part two with Rachel Rhodes because her story is so incredible. And I don't want to miss a moment of sharing all of this knowledge with everyone. Whether or not you want to explore HSCT as an option for you, I think that all of this is really interesting. And it just, her story from our previous episode really resonated with me in that we are all different. We react to medications differently. And it's just based on how your body is treated by those meds, treated by your actions, whether it be mindfulness or nutrition, whatever it might be. We're all different. And we need to make not only choices for ourselves that are going to feed our our medical needs, but also our heart and soul. And so with that, let's chat it up with Rachel. We're going to continue our conversation um, with Rachel today, and we're going to go in a little bit on why she made those decisions. So perseverance, how did you determine that that was one of your core values and how have you used that since your diagnosis? Man, perseverance. So this might not be, I don't know, like my, we all have a different belief set, right? And like, I, I'm not saying that what I believe is right and what anybody else believes is incorrect. But after going through all these experiences because of MS, as well as a lot of other really interesting challenges in my life, I've kind of come to the realization that death is real and we all die eventually, right? Like that's, that's an inevitable thing as part of being a human. And I know that's a, a tough topic for a lot of people, but I've just, I've seen so many things that, that make me think more and more about my mortality. So that has led me to question, um, why are we here? What are we doing? What's the point of all this? Like, you know, a lot of us question that. And, and I just feel at peace thinking of life as a game 
right? Like, and the earth is this really cool game board and it's got all kinds of amazing things in it. Like we've got oceans that have coral reefs and crazy animals. We have like Arctic ice. We've got mountains. We've got rivers. We've got these beautiful rolling hills in the like middle of, of all of this mountainous river type of stuff. We just have all of this beauty and all of these animals and all of these food and all these cultures and people. It is a beautiful game board that we have and we get to play on it. And we only get one shot at playing on it. You know, we only have so many years that we're here on this earth. So I want to play. Like, I don't want to be the kid that sits on the sidelines and watches other people play and like sees life through their rules and their experiences, like through their lens. I want to play life by my rules and I want to feel my experiences fully. And so that's really where I think the perseverance, like I maybe hadn't articulated that earlier in my life, but reflecting back, I'm like, yeah, that's the time that I wasn't doing good was when I was playing by other people's rules. But the times that I've been the happiest have been whenever I experience life fully the way that that honors my spirit and my you know just me so so the perseverance part is like yeah there's just like playing basketball back in school like it sucks sometimes whenever you have to do the hard stuff and it sucks sometimes whenever you lose but what do you learn from that and how do you come back so that you can play the next game better like that's what perseverance is for me so your youngest was very young when you were diagnosed and you're trying to do this breastfeeding and not being able to do that or the, you know, the, the reality of having to end that and having to persevere through that. I'm not a mom. Let me, let me say that first. I, I do not have children. I uh, know anything about breastfeeding. People say, you know, oh, I'm at 28 weeks. I don't know what that means. So <laughs> I love it. I love your honesty <laughs> with it too. In this circumstance, like I don't know what that must have felt like when something that was very important to you was said, you, you can't do this anymore. How did you get through that? So yeah, that was hard. That was actually probably the hardest part of all of this for me. Allie is knock on wood, our last child. And as you have kids, you know, like you, you kind of like that playing by other people's rules by versus playing by your own. Like every time you have that experience, you're like, oh wait, that doesn't serve me so much, but this is what matters. And for me, the, the bond and it's, it's not just about the actual act of like, or the actual nutrient consumption. Like there's so much more to breastfeeding than that. And so breastfeeding was definitely one of the important things to me. And it was why I balked so hard about just taking a medication until I knew that I absolutely needed it. So whenever it was time to wean, I didn't want to wean her cold turkey, like right before I, you know, like, oh, hey, you don't get to breastfeed and mom's gone and dad's gone. Like, so we did it over Thanksgiving week. We were down in Texas. My husband's dad lives in Corpus Christi, his dad and his stepmom. And they're awesome, awesome humans. And we were down there for like, you know, a nice family vacation over the holidays before I went for treatment. And we weaned and 
the memories just popped up on my Facebook recently and I forgot how hard it was like the first night that she didn't nurse to sleep. You know, I posted that she was up all night crying and I was just like rocking her back and forth all night long, trying to soothe her because she didn't necessarily need it from like a physiologic standpoint, but for the, the rest of the aspects of the overall wellness of a being, like she was losing her a sense of her security and safety and it was very difficult luckily i was taking athar gel my neurologist and i discussed the fact that i was probably going to relapse whenever i quit so she wanted to be prepared and had athar gel she ordered it before so that i was able to utilize it leading up to the the final days and so i took my final dose of that 10-day course of Akthar the day after I weaned or two days after I weaned and then started a new relapse a day and a half later. So it's like, I can't even process this because now my body is trying to hurt me. So it's kind of like a a distraction almost from it or saying you have to do this. It was good and, and what it was at all was just part of the experience and part of the journey. But I had some really nice photos taken. I had a a woman, we were really financially strapped at that time because I was not working anymore. And we knew that that things were about to get really expensive. Like, thankfully, I had family take care of the treatment costs. I'm very fortunate and very privileged in that. But we still knew that there was going to be follow-up and that weren't going to have my income and we were used to being a two income family. So anyways, all that is to say is there was some definite financial struggle. And I had expressed in a breastfeeding group that I was looking for someone who would take some breastfeeding shots of my daughter and I before I went, you know, before I fully weaned and that I needed them to be affordable. And I had an amazing person offer to just do them pro bono. It was really cool. So I had just shaved all my hair. You lose your hair when you have HSCT, and I didn't want my kids to be super freaked out about it. So I went down. <laughs> you you go into the salon thinking that your hair is going to look one way, and you come out, and it does not look that way sometimes. So I had this short haircut that I did not love, but it was, again, part of the experience. And we had our photos, and, and we slowly weaned, and luckily Akthar helped me dry up, so it made it physically less uncomfortable to do that process at least. Okay. So little bonus, I guess there, but yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Nonetheless, what a lovely human being just, you know, that's when you find that people have hearts, right. And they, they want to help us and it's just reaching out in, in your community. And it sounds like that breastfeeding community was that for you. And I'm glad you had them to support you through that process. So Rachel says (laughs) that she is a self-proclaimed badass and I love it. Can you tell us a little bit more about why you say that? So when I was in the hospital with my initial like diagnosis, I had to see physical therapy and occupational therapy, but thankfully I responded so well to those steroids, though they caused me some side effects later. I had a pretty significant decrease in the symptoms that I was experiencing, like after just a few days. So I was cleared by physical therapy and occupational therapy to like resume normal activity, like a normal 30 something would. I didn't have to be on the strict fall precautions and the bed alarm anymore. And at the start of every nursing shift at this hospital and at a lot of hospitals, the nurse that's taking over care will ask the patient on day shift, like, hey, what's your goal for today? 
and then they'll write it on the whiteboard. Typically our goals for patients will be speaking from my like, you know, nurse professional perspective, we'll suggest things like walk twice with therapy or make it all the way to the door today, advance my diet from clear liquids to full liquids, like things that they want to do to move towards leaving the hospital. Well, I had already checked those boxes off. I just had to finish steroids, but that's not a goal for me. Like all I have to do is sit there and have my arm out while they connect the IV tubing and then I go on with my life. So that's not something that I'm doing. So when she asked me for my goal for the day, I couldn't really think of anything for a second. And then I was like, I don't know. My goal is to be a badass. And she just like turned around and looked at me like I had a second head growing because that wasn't what she expected to hear, I guess. And she was like, how about I just write walk? And I was super frustrated at that because I was already walking. Like I had just been walking laps around the unit not long before she had come in for reports. So I'm like, what? No, like my goal is to be a badass and not just through the day, but like, you know, that was my, that was, I was going to fight MS. Like I was not going to just say, eh, I'm going to let it control my life. Like I wanted to fight. And so be a badass kind of became, I don't know, like my mantra through all of this and being a badass for the record does not mean fighting every moment because badasses know that they have to rest too. Badasses know that they have to like meet their other needs of their bodies. Whenever you think of like the best fighters or warriors or whatever, they're not machines. They don't just keep going. They, they honor all that, that is them so that it, whenever the time comes and they have to be that bad, badass, like they have prepared themselves um, so that they're capable of it. But when I got home, I was still really salty about that nurse that wouldn't let me have be a badass written on my whiteboard. So I had one of my friends who does like custom hand lettered signs, make this bad boy be a badass. And it's lived on my wall ever since. So being a badass is totally what I need to adopt. I love how you said that it's about balance when you're a badass, but it's taking care of yourself and taking care of your needs because talking to you, I feel how much you love your kids. So before we started taping, there's a knocking at the door. And actually it wasn't knocking, it was pounding. And I could hear the the little small child going, mommy, I just want one more hug. And it was like, my heart just got so full for you. A lot of times when we're passionate about something, we focus on that a lot and we forget about ourselves. And so for you, it sounds like being a badass is really making sure that you don't forget yourself in all of this. I know that health and nutrition and just having like great healthy habits are really important to you. And one quote that I read off of your socials was change your plate and habits to change your health. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how you live into that as, and even, I mean, that's perseverance too. Man, do you have time for a part three? No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> so I will try to keep this concise. Well, I feel like our life 
is the sum of the choices we make daily, the decisions we make daily. Some of the options, and by some, I mean pretty much all of the options in our stores and with our entertainment options, all of it is meant for instant gratification and instant comfort. I mean, this little box right here that we have in our hands all the time, people make my cell phone, yeah, this thing, is meant to keep us like stimulated in a gratifying way. You know, there's people that make crap tons of money to figure out how they can keep us addicted. Are the things that feel good serving us to our highest? Are they helping us with being all those opportunities to be the badass? And with food, with nutrition, especially that old saying, we are what we eat. Like, you know, people kind of joke about it and like, oh, I'm a cheeseburger, I'm a donut or whatever. But if we think about food, like not as the the taste good item that we're eating, but instead the nutrients that make that item up. Like you can have two same caloric value items and one of them can be packed full of micronutrients as well as macronutrients. And those micronutrients are like the vitamins and the minerals and the, the trace elements that we need because we are an organic creature. And then if you look in this hand and you've got the highly processed food item that's like, you know, boxed cereal or a donut or whatever, it's macronutrient dense. It's got a lot of calories, a lot of protein, fat, whatever in it, carbohydrates typically, but there's not those like concentrations of your vitamins and your minerals and your trace elements. And our cells, like whether we like it or not, we're humans, we're mammals, and we're no different than the animals that are outside. Like we need the same kind of stuff that they do nutrient wise. Our diet should be just as rich as like, obviously there's some differences because of like the way that we're built, but like for the most part, we need the same building blocks and nutrition is our building blocks. Our body's constantly regenerating new cells. Like you notice it, especially in the winter time, whenever you get flaky up here and flaky here and everywhere, we're making new skin cells all the time. And it's not just skin that we make new cells for, you know, we do it for the lining of our stomach. We regenerate cells in our brain. We regenerate cells. Every part of our body is constantly regenerating new cells. I think of the food I eat versus the food that I maybe pass on as the food that I pass on. I usually consider builder grade quality materials where like, yeah, you can build something out of them, but it's not going to, last for the long haul. I like the the nutrient dense food that has a lot higher quality materials in it so that I can build the, the house that's going to last me the long way. So for me, nutrition is like, it's freeing. It, it's liberating to be more aware of what I put in my body. Like it may seem, I went to a birthday celebration and they were all eating cheesecake and having like all these delicious sauces on their food. Whereas I had a plate of vegetables and they're like, oh, are you sure you don't want any? And I'm like, I don't, it doesn't even cross because the side effects to me, like the, to feel those MS symptoms wake back up, it's not worth it compared to the five minutes of joy I'm going to have while I put that in my mouth. So that's the nutrition part in a nutshell. So tell me about then the, the movement, because I know that you're involved with this, I don't know what you want to call it, but the, it's, it's like a water piece. Tell it, tell us about this, this water movement that you're doing. One of my new additions to my wellness routine is a group 
will officially become a class in a couple of weeks. But currently we're just like a group of people that like to do interesting stuff. It's called XH2O. So if you want to find out more about it, you can like search XH2O on Facebook search bar and it's like a public, you know, group page or whatever. Or you can um, find it on Instagram at at, at XH2OKC. Basically it's extreme water fun. And it's, it's joyful movement that incorporates breath work, like Wim Hof style breath work, if you're familiar with that. And some of the activities that like free divers, like Polynesian free divers have incorporated for years into their routines, as well as special forces training. We don't do it in an intense, intense manner. Like it's definitely um, a beginner to interme- intermediate friendly group. But we will do weights underwater. So we start off in the shallow end of the pool usually, and we'll do um, under the water. We'll carry the weights at our side down to the deep end of the pool. And it's really fun. Like we'll walk down underwater with like, I don't know, 30 pounds of kettlebells or no, 30 pounds. I'll do dumbbells in each hand so that then when I get to the end of the deep end, I can do a backflip off the wall before I come back and I'll army crawl back with the weights. And you'll do all this underwater on one breath. So it's a 25 meter pool. So we'll do like 50 meters or, and then we'll do like squats and lunges and stuff like that. We'll go into deeper water and like do squats where we explosively come up out of the water, take a quick breath, go down, you're breathing out as you're going down and you go back up with the weights. It's, it's a workout. Like I was swimming laps because triathlons is what I also do. And I was swimming laps um, one day and I'm like, you know, heads down in the water and swimming. And I look over because I'm getting ready to take a breath. And there's a guy that's got, weights like kettlebells in each of his hands at the 10 and a half foot deep bottom of the pool. And there's another full grown man behind him holding on to first guy with bungee cords, basically, that's being dragged as resistance behind them. They're just doing it like no gear other than goggles on. And I'm like, what? I don't know what that is. I popped up out of the water at the end of that lap. And I was like, I don't know what the heck I just saw, but that was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. The guy who created this, Jimmy, he was like, you want in? And I, yes, I want in. And so I've been doing that for a couple months now. And it has, it's amazing what an activity like that will do for your holistic wellness, because you think, oh, I'm doing something at the gym. It's just for my muscles. I'm like, yes, absolutely. I'm just, I'm sore today from doing it yesterday, but it's so much more because anyone that's got like a chronic a chronic condition that they work with to start incorporating breath work where we learn how to be still and at peace whenever we're maybe feeling some discomfort and that we're safe despite that discomfort, that we are in control and there is always a way to move beyond that discomfort moment. Like the opportunity to have all of that is, it's just huge. So if nothing else, Wim Hof breathwork, like the breathwork that we do to make this class possible is based a lot on Wim Hof breathwork. You are more stronger and more capable and more in control of your response to anything than you ever thought possible. It sounds pretty exhilarating. And I love that because in the water, I feel better just being in the water. That coolness, it helps me a lot because I have really bad heat intolerance. So when I 
when I was diagnosed, I was in the process of moving. And this house in Florida, they have a lot of houses that look the same. (laughs) I don't know how else to describe that. So in the neighborhood that I'm in, I have this house. In, In another neighborhood, I'm looking at the same house. One has a pool and one did not. And I'm like, I got to get the house with the pool. It was a little bit more expensive, but. Oh, that's such a beautiful tool. And so I love that you're doing this because it offers, there's so many different types of movement, right? And finding the thing that does it for you is so important because if you're not enjoying it, it's going to be like a job or more work to do. And whenever you, especially if you have a chronic condition like MS or or any of those other conditions that throw us, we don't have the curveball of worrying about, you know, high blood pressure or like frequent headaches, like it, it's every body system. And so we do enough work to overcome every day. So adding, adding exercise that feels like work is probably not going to fit on our plate whenever our plate is already overflowing with work. Yes, a hundred percent. So you did touch on a little bit because even prior to all of this, you were a triathlete. What was that all about? That's wild. Actually, that's post HSET. I did my first triathlon last July. I ran as pretty much an opportunity to not necessarily dive beneath the surface of the things that I had shoved back mental health wise for years prior to the diagnosis of MS and all of this stuff. Like that was my, that was my self-care. That was my mental health therapy. If I was too overwhelmed or too stressed out, I would just lace up my shoes and go run until it didn't feel bad anymore. And then I was okay. Um, That got obviously kind of put on the back burner whenever I had HSCT. I I did run during the treatment, but I, I struggled to continue afterwards because I took Cipro for a couple months. Um, that's not a normal part of the treatment plan, but they're again, me, weird medication stuff, whatever. And that drug is potentially damaging to tendons. And I was dealing with like tendon inflammation, like crazy in my knees and my ankles. So I think just the process, like I lost like 20 pounds during HSCT. I came back with way less muscle. I like, I like being a muscly strong person. And I came back with so much less after the treatment. And so I struggled to run. I mean, even a quarter of the distances of that I was used to putting down during my like first six months of recovery or so. I, I was either on the flight home from Mexico or it was the last couple of days I was in Mexico for treatment. I saw an ad for the half Iron Man 70.3 in Waco, Texas. And I was like, bet, I'm gonna do that. I don't bike and I don't swim. I don't know how it's gonna happen, but I'm gonna do that. So I had that seed planted. And then I had a friend here who was getting into triathlons and I was like, oh, I really want to do this. But again, don't even own a bike. Haven't been on one since I was like 14 years old. And I don't think I've ever actually swam a lap in the pool. Like my idea of swimming is jumping off the diving board or the side of the boat and then swim back to like, you know, whatever I'm doing or snorkeling with a life vest on. So in June, I bought a used bike off of Facebook Marketplace I got my gym pass to the gym with the pool. And then I ended up winning an entry to the local in Kansas City. There is a foundation for girls and women that's called Win for KC. 
and they host a triathlon. It's a shorter distance triathlon, but it's a women's only event, like women's and girls only event. And it was probably one of the scarier things I've done because I haven't open water swam. So in triathlons, you usually swim in a lake or in the ocean or in a river. And I was only used to what I could see in the pool. And and again, I had, you know, I'd only been biking for like two months at this point, but running was okay. So I did this event and I freaking loved it. Like it was the most empowering, uplifting, amazing experience ever. And we were actually rushing out to go to vacation, to go on vacation down to Texas as soon as it ended. So I didn't stay around for the award ceremony and it was really cool. I was pleasantly surprised when I got home, there was a letter in the mail from Win for KC. I had taken third in my Athena. Athena is women that weigh over like 165. So I had, I, I had competed in the Athena division and I took third in the Athena division. So I came home to like a letter of congratulations and a little gift card in the mail. It was just a really cool experience. So that was my first triathlon. Triathlon number two I did on Labor Day. There's a cool group in Northwest Arkansas called the Rampy, R-A-M-P-Y, MS Research Foundation, I think is what they're called. They're a nonprofit and they host all of these like triathlon sports activities throughout the year as fundraising events to donate to research for remyelination therapy. I did my first open water swim with them right before I did my first triathlon. And then I did my second triathlon. I did the Olympic distance with them. And through all of that, I, during all that time, I found out about a group called Meat Fight, M-E-A-T Fight. And it's out of Texas, I believe. And this is a group for persons with MS who want to do badass things. That's perfect for you. Right. And so for anyone listening, if you're interested in cycling with MS, they will provide a bike for you if you want to take on bike MS. And then I actually got hooked up with a local bike MS type group called Wrestling MS. That kind of the same concept, except we meet every month or so to, to ride together. But anyways, so the meat fights got this part called Project 13 that goes beyond biking and they are sponsoring me to do a half Ironman in Galveston in April, which I'm super stoked for. And then Waco will be in the fall and I plan on signing up for Waco in the fall as well. Yeah, that's gonna be, that's my like first big post HSCT recovery goal is to do, so for anyone who doesn't know, a half Ironman is 70.3 miles total. And you start off by swimming 1.2 miles. And then you hop on your bike and you go for a 56 mile bike ride. And then after you hop off the bike from the 56 mile bike ride, you go run for 13.1 miles to the finish line. And that's just a half. That's just a half. Yeah. You double that for the full. Triathlon kind of took me out of my shell. It made me realize I'm really big on neuroplasticity and knowing that our brain is capable of doing so much more than we give it credit for. We can create new pathways and form new connections just by stepping out of our comfort zone and trying new things. And so cycling for me and swimming also, but especially cycling, there's so much sensory input that you have coming in while you're riding a bike. Like, you know, you're constantly moving and you're balancing and you're scanning the area ahead of you and you're listening for sounds that might be threats. Like you're, you're doing all of these things 
while you're moving your legs to keep pedaling. I was in a really rough place after HSCT for about six months, eight months, something like that. And I knew like I had cognitive fog really bad and I just, I was not myself. I couldn't like pick up on stuff like I used to be able to. And once I started cycling and then also once I started swimming, those were new to adult version of me activities. And all of that processing and learning new things, like it, it was huge in my recovery, huge. And so like triathlon has been, I don't know, it's been kind of the key to open the door to the next chapter of life for me. And you mentioned the KC win for KC piece. I I believe you're, you just won an award for that. Can you share with us? Yes. Win DC is a women's and girls sports like foundation to get women and girls active in the Kansas city area. And every year they have like an award ceremony and there's like six recipients award. I think it's six awards. And one of them is the Lofton courage award. And it is for a girl or woman in the Kansas city Metro who has either persevered through challenges or overcome challenges, whether they be physical or mental, persevere in sports, basically. And so I was the recipient of that award this year. That is really awesome. And it sounds like you really deserve it. Thank you. What a great group, right? Breaking down barriers despite mental and physical limitations and really advocating for people to go beyond and and really push themselves and learn new things. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It felt pretty incredible to, yeah, it was, it was exciting. It is exciting. So we talked a lot about perseverance as your core value, but you also identified making a difference as another core value of yours. How does that fit into your, your life right now? And how do you, how do you live into that core value? I really like this question because it's kind of a challenge for personal growth in my life, because what I want to answer, I can't answer because I haven't fully taken the next step in my, my goals and my plans. So thank you for the opportunity to kind of push me further out of my comfort zone. But I'm a nurse. Like I, I went into healthcare. I've always liked educating people. Even before my healthcare days, I am passionate about helping people learn more so that they can have the tools they need to do things differently. And then also about trying to help people access those tools because it doesn't matter. We can know everything in the world, but if we don't have a tool that we need to help implement that knowledge, like that knowledge might just sit stagnant. So I've always just been passionate about that. And since going through this diagnosis, crazy whirlwind of an experience with multiple sclerosis, it made my life better. And I know that's an uncomfortable thing to say because I know that there's a lot of loss and a lot of mourning and a lot of grief for many people with MS. And I definitely experienced that gamut of emotions, but it was in a very condensed time frame. I'm very privileged that I got to experience all of those hard things. And then I get to experience these highs that I'm having as I recover from HSCT because it's given me the opportunity to I I don't know, maybe see things from a little bit of a different perspective and see what we're truly capable 
of as humans, because I'm no better than you and I'm no better than him. And I'm no better than her. Like I'm, I'm just another person like everybody else. You know, I'm a mom. I live in the Midwest and the suburbs. Like there's nothing special about me, but I have gotten to experience how great and sweet and wonderful life can be despite the challenges and the limitations and obstacles that there are to overcome. And I've seen how good it is on the other side. And I really want more people to see how good it is on the other side. It is beautiful. And I'm not saying that everyone needs to come do a triathlon or go play with weights underwater while holding their breath. Movement is what brings me to life. It's what speaks to my soul. For other people, it's like creative pursuits or art, like musical pursuits, things like that, you know, but whatever it is that sets your soul on fire, like I want to help set you up with the tools that you need so that you can feel that fiery passion of amazingness in your life. Making a difference, I guess, for me is to try to normalize what's maybe not normal in our society. My personal opinion is that our society has become very apathetic and very like, what am I supposed to do about this? And, and we're, it's, it's that comfort thing. Like we're, we're in our comfort zone so much. We have this little box that I like to talk about, the cell phone that keeps us entertained at all times. We have the really taste good foods that are available all the time that maybe aren't the best tools for us to utilize whenever we could be utilizing our time and putting different things in our body that serve our body better. So for me, making a difference is like, I want to help people understand that we don't have to accept things the way they are and that there's tools out there that we can use to make it the future. Like I tell myself and I tell people all the time, I create my reality. I am the only person that's responsible for the life that I live. Nobody else is responsible for it. I choose my responses to everything. Like I remember having HSCT and I couldn't take steroids. I was losing my stomach contents from both the upper gastrointestinal tract and the lower gastrointestinal tract simultaneously after chemotherapy in the middle of the night. It was like 2 a.m. And so I'm in the bathroom using the restroom while also vomiting. And I remember finding such gratitude and peace in that moment as I could. I was like heaving to the point where I couldn't catch a breath to be prepared for the next time that I had another round of emesis. And I was at total peace and totally grateful for that moment because I understood that that moment meant that my, that the drugs were doing exactly what they were so upsetting my body that they were going to upset my immune system that was malfunctioning. And they were going to give me the opportunity to have a future that was different than the future that I maybe, you know, thought thought it was going to be a couple months before. It takes tools, meditation, mindfulness, gratitude practice, and and just self-awareness to, to be able to say, hey, even though MS sucks, even though whatever chronic condition I have sucks, even though whatever situation I'm in, whether it be like relationship or financial or whatever sucks, I'm responsible for how I respond to it. I'm responsible for how I perceive it. And I could have perceived that moment whenever I was having like my stomach empty from both ends as total torture. And it's so unfair that I can't have steroids. But instead, I chose to perceive it as something absolutely beautiful. And that's kind of how I've gone on with MS. I had mentioned to you before this, I think, what can I do? Any moment that we have something, whether, whether it be something that's like, 
an external factor or an internal factor that makes us feel helpless or out of control or just bad, we have a choice. We get to say, what can I do? And absolutely, we can sit there and be pissed off. Like, and I have days where I have to sit and I have to be mad and I have to like just feel those emotions because those are valid human emotions. But then I also know like, well, I don't want to feel like this for forever. So what can I do? And when I'm in a relapse or when I was in relapses, I'm going to speak positively. I'm not going to have any more relapses because I've had a hematopoietic stem cell transplant. But back when I used to experience that, there were times that my cognition, pain, all of it were just all sorts of messed up. And all I could do was breathe. And so I would count my breath. You know, I would focus on counting my breathing. That will be my answer to what can I do? And there were times that I wanted to get down on the floor and do a crazy yoga routine, but I knew it wasn't possible. So I would say, well, what can I do? And I would stand up holding the counter and I would stand on one foot for a couple of seconds. And then I would stand on one, you know, with a balance aid there because it's what I could do in the moment. And that's the, the I don't know, like helping people making a difference thing is that, we don't get, these tools don't get discussed often. And I want to bring more awareness to them. Yes. And everybody needs different tools. Hearing you um, talk about how you're going out and trying new things, whatever you're trying to apply for yourself, we can learn from that. And I appreciate you sharing all of those things with us on social media, through your different groups that you belong to, because I think that community helps us to understand our needs. Hearing other people go through things and saying like, I'm not, there's no way, Rachel, I'm doing a triathlon. I'm not interested in it. It, it does not bring me joy. It brings me pain and suffering. And so I found this podcast and through this avenue, it's really helping me to see things in a different way. Hearing people in and taking that in and saying, okay, I'm not going to do what she's doing, but I can do this other thing that's going to meet the same, the needs that I have. But it, it wasn't until I started hearing those things from others in in bringing that into my life that I was able to open my eyes to that concept. So I think that we could probably talk for a couple more hours. There's so much more to explore that we didn't even touch on today. Maybe there will be a part three in our future, but from talking about the HSCT in that journey in and of itself and thinking about that holistic wellness and the balance between the Western and the holistic medicine, creating your own reality and taking charge of that, getting awards for the things that you're doing is so fulfilling, recognizing that it's really all about perception and being that badass that you know that you can be. It is just been such a wonderful opportunity to get to talk to you today. Tell people, please, Rachel, where they can find you because they're going to want to reach out. So if you'd like to reach me, um, I'm probably on Instagram most often. And that is at try but try is spelled T-R-I because, you know, triathlons. So it's at try underscore two underscore 
recover underscore from underscore MS. So at try to recover from MS with underscores in between each word. And then also, if you're interested in my HSCT journey, I created a group on Facebook as I went through it. And I don't update it super often now. But if you search Audios MS hyphen Rachel's with like an apostrophe S, Rachel's HSCT journey to Puebla. You can check out what it was like for me getting HSCT. So you can always look that up. And then you can email me at holisticnursekc at gmail.com. So I want to thank you again for being with us and taking the time. If you were listening closely, you probably heard Rachel's children in the background today. And so it was so nice to hear all those little voices. And so taking the time away from them has been really special for us. And we appreciate you for that. So I do want to remind everyone um, listening about our MS walk in Orlando on April 2nd at Blue Jacket Park. The link tree in my Instagram bio and the Thriving Over Surviving podcast website have all those details, including location. We're going to do one or two events that day and how to get a t-shirt to support the walk and to wear that day as you stream with us. So also, if you're interested in digging a little deeper to determine your core values, please visit the website at thrivingoversurvivingpodcast.com. And there you'll be guided through that discovery process. We all deserve really to live our best lives and recognizing what those core values are and living into them has changed my life in a tremendous way, especially after being diagnosed with MS. And so we want to bring all of that um, to you. So thank you again, Rachel, for being here with me. Uh, Rachel, please keep thriving. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast. If you would like to join our growing community of thrivers, there are a lot of ways to do so. Visit the website at thrivingoversurvivingpodcast.com. There you'll find links to all our social media, my blog, and lots more. See you next time when we chat it up with another autoimmune warrior on the Thriving Over Surviving podcast. Keep thriving. Keep thriving.